Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Previously on Mentally Yours. Your prognosis is probably vastly better if you come from great wealth and a few of the people that I spoke to who were going through recovery did have to acknowledge that, you know, it was either their own wealth that had got them residential treatment or it was family wealth. And actually, mm. I think this does happen very often, quite quietly, because I think families are quite ashamed of it. They shouldn't need to be, but I think they are, which is very often parents and grandparents financially provide for their children to go through rehab. It's mentally Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette and this week I'll be chatting to Carl Anker. He's a journalist, writer and broadcaster. He's also a campaigner and ambassador for Calm, which is the campaign against living miserably, which specifically focuses on men's mental health. And he's also involved with Time to Change. He was part of Calm's Best Man project and is currently working with them on their Mark Your Man World Cup campaign. He's been very outspoken on social media and in person on changes the government should be making in terms of mental health provision. You get your diagnosis. Does your diagnosis mean that's when that's like the signifier of a short spell or does your diagnosis retroactively explain those other stuff, right? So I lose my job in November 2016. This job is particularly painful because there were a company that said to give loads about social consciousness and men's mental health in particular and gave the big IM and gave numerous media campaigns about that while simultaneously making their employees work illegal work hours to the point where numerous members of staff have mental breakdowns. Uh, I once shaved my head, Britney Spears 2007 style. Did a Britney. Did a Britney, shaved my head, bald, got, went to the barber's went, just give me a zero. Just mm. Still had a beard. Uh, and it, I intended it to be like a proper, don't touch me, don't, don't go near me. But everyone was just sort of caught, kind of cute, which was annoying. So I complained about these things. Uh, and then three weeks later, I got my nose just before Christmas pretty terrible to lose your job before Christmas. So you go through 
Massive things about depression. Uh, what have I done in my life? Oh my God, I'm a failure. Oh my God, I can't provide for my family. Oh, it's probably better off if I was not here. Um, drag myself through the Christmas period and basically go, I can't really keep crying. Can't really keep calling calm and the Samaritans every single day. So the very first day of the GP clinic opened up in 2017, January 5th, 2017, marched myself down to the GP and went, hello. I think I'm suffering from depression. I took an IAPT questionnaire, which is what they hand you. Oh, I love them. It's, it's a, it's a double-sided piece of A4 paper where you have to talk about your feelings in the last two weeks. How often have you felt this? So how often have you felt tired? How often have you felt uninterested in things? How often have you not been eating? How often have you been sleeping too much? How often have you been sleeping too little? How often have you thought you're better off dead? How often have you thought, how often have you self-harmed? So you, you do your questionnaire, so it's uh, not at all, some, sometimes half the days, more than half the days, and every single day. And you circle everything. And I believe on January 5th, 2017, I scored 27 or 28, to which my GP went, if you had scored too higher, we would have had to have sectioned you. Did that, got put on Prozac for two weeks, uh, and then that was it. I went, all right, now I'm depressed. So what happens next? A week later, I started volunteering for a mental health charity. Time to change. Because as I told all my friends, I'm sick of crying every single day. So I might as well try and flip this negative into a positive. So that, that was me. But like I said, it retroactively made things make sense. Because a lot of the feelings and emotions I had in November 2016 going through that Christmas period were feelings I had throughout university, throughout sixth form, throughout most of my adolescence. So probably been dealing with problems of depression and general anxiety since I was 17. It was most acute in 2016 when I lost my job. So for people that don't know what depression is, well, they've never been through depression themselves. How would you personally describe it? It varies. So I think a lot of the conversations we have about mental health, unfortunately, centered themselves on depression and anxiety, right? So those are the two things. We go, oh, I've got mental health problems. So you, you talk about depression or mental or anxiety because those are the two things that even if you have no idea what they are or what it feels like, you kind of know what they are. So you've been sad before if you don't suffer anxiety, but you've been afraid of an exam or public speaking. You know, you kind of have an idea what anxiety is. Um, which is why depression and anxiety always gets put forward first when you talk about mental health issues instead of um, personality disorders or self-harming. Um, so I always feel uneasy when someone goes, what does depression feel like? Because I'm like, well, you should know by now. Come on, pay attention. Because I have bipolar disorder, I've sort of been through depression. And I certainly relate to you sort of saying about crying all the time thing and feeling very sad. But other people have sort of talked about their experience of sort of depression as actually being almost like, avoid like with say with no emotion so it's, it's not even necessarily like being sad it's more just like being numb well when i say you should know by now i'm not saying you should know by now because you should know what sadness is i'm saying you should know by now because it's, it's 2018 we've been talking about these two things for so long like if you have been paying attention to anything to do with mental health you should at least know what depression and general anxiety are mm -hmm. so this is why i feel very much when someone goes what's the depression i'm like come on man i don't want to teach you how to suck eggs Depression for me is a complete absence of enjoyment in anything. Just a dull thud, a deep gnawing void in the center of my belly and a voice in my head telling me, this is pointless. There's absolutely no point to do anything. Um, and it flits between moments of deep apathy where I can't get out of bed or shower or do anything to moments of like self-destructive rage, impotent rage, because I can't do anything and I can't see the forest for the trees. 
So that's what my depression feels like. My general anxiety is very much a uh, what am I doing, 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 what am I so you made the decision to speak out for time to change. Mm-hmm. What kind of reaction did you get when you started doing that? Good, you know. I was overwhelmed by the response. In terms of friends and family, were you surprised by any of the, re- the reactions at all? From speaking about mental health issues and from writing about more, I found that a lot more friends and colleagues and people that I might not have actually realised had mental health issues then start coming to me and telling me about their own experiences. So have you had that a lot? Which makes me happy and sad because, so when I first, I won't use the term came out, when I first talked about my conditions, the people who I thought were going to take it badly took it badly and the people who I thought were going to take it well took it well. So I tell my dad about it because Africans don't get depressed, black men don't get depressed. So I'm like, well, off to the bin with you. I tell my mum, she, she hugs me, she goes, it's fine, we'll get through this, don't worry about it, you know, don't feel any pressure about Christmas period, about feeling like you're a failure, you're not a failure, I always love you, which is what I expect my mum to do because that's my mum. Um, a lot of my friends coalesced and put their lighters in the air and helped me get through that tough period. Um, and then a lot of it has become, since I've been talking about opening social media, I have a lot of people in real life and on the internet talk to me in a corner, like, hey, like, thanks for talking about that sort of stuff. So the big one that really surprised me was the rugby club. So I play rugby. These are the most supposedly the most hard-headed alpha male guys you know they drink 10 pints of beer on a saturday and then no they hit each other over the head and then go drink 10 pints of beer every single saturday and when i told them so what happened was i was i just started taking prozac so i couldn't drink alcohol i was drinking a can of coca-cola after a rugby game like why are you not joining around it i can't so two or three weeks of i can't because i've got a heart condition because i didn't want to tell them and then eventually went, ah, i've got depression one of the players looked at me looked at the can of coke and goes, doesn't mean you can't get around. Go on, put your hand in your pocket. <laughs> Fair play. That's that's nice and accepting. Um, and then uh, at my rugby club, there there have been people who have talked to me in a corner about their stuff. So one of the rugby players' dads were basically like, one of my children had it and I understand that you can talk to me. He goes, I oh, know I'm a big whatever. But I'm, yeah, literally a, a very large man who can fill a doorway if he walks through it. Mm-hmm. He goes, you can talk to me if you want. And every so often, someone will DM me normally happens on a Sunday because you're getting the old Sunday night shakes by going back into work and they DM me and go, hey Carl, I've started following you because of XYZ. I think what you do is cool. I think something might be doing this. Really sorry to dump this on you, but I just want to get your advice on this. And yeah, it makes me happy and sad. I'm not a medical expert and you should never feel happy that someone's come to you and saying, I'm feeling like I can't go to a supermarket or wash myself. It's good that they can talk and they think they can have someone to talk to. And my Twitter bio says I'm always happy to talk and I try my best to always redirect people to medical professionals and let them know the sort of things they need to know when they go talk to these people and let them know that they're not alone because a lot of this is not being able to see the forest for the trees and thinking as if there is absolutely nothing. Do you mind if I just go back to one thing you said at the start of that, um, which was about your dad's reaction to mental health issues, which was basically that this is not a thing that African men have. Is that a common opinion, do you do you find, or is that just your dad? Well, my dad is a very unique character. Um, I think he sort of got it when he lost his job. Mm-hmm. So he lost his job last year. He didn't apologise because he's very headstrong and not the type of person to apologise, but it's sort of a, a kind of get 
why you weren't a hundred percent. I don't know if it's common or not because the moment I hear someone go make a statement like that, I'm I'm gone. I don't care anymore. I'm, I'm 27 years of age. I have no time to talk to people or be around people who don't believe this is a thing or believe it's okay to make comments like that. Get out of my face. I suppose what I'm getting at as well is that we hear a lot about how men find it harder to talk about mental health issues and maybe certain communities find it harder to talk, to talk about mental health issues. Do you think that's true? Do, do men find it harder? And do you think that's still the case with all this awareness? Yes. What can we do, basically? Right. So I have had nearly every single possible advantage in my life to be able to be smart and intelligent and well-spoken and articulate and explain my feelings and emotions. If you ask me what depression is, my, my explanation is still let the podcast show I just did a deep shrug. If you're a car mechanic from Doncaster, you don't understand why you're crying because you burnt your toast in the morning. If you're a guy in Sunderland who lost your job because the Nissan plant shut down and you can't go to football anymore because Sunderland's rubbish and maybe your dog died and you're having real problems shaving your beard and beards are in fashion right now. So no one's really noticing the fact that your hygiene has gone to pot. What happens then? So at the moment, I mean, we're recording this Mental Health Awareness Week Lots of people are on Twitter. Lots of people are talking about the importance of talking about mental health and sort of sharing things, basically. I mean, I feel quite frustrated as well because you you can only do so much in terms of raising awareness because, like you say, you can talk and talk and talk. But ultimately, there needs to be change as well, doesn't there? So what do you think needs to change in terms of, I don't know, the NHS or in terms of the government, in terms of... How we should be dealing with mental health? Every single discussion that discusses mental health in the United Kingdom that does not mention NHS defunding is incomplete. You cannot talk about the rise in depression and mental health conditions in young people especially and not talk about a series of NHS cuts put in place by the government. We, we live in London. So I live in a city of 10 million people with some of the most talented. It's the financial, cultural and political hub of this country. I can't see a GP. Mm. It's near impossible for me to see a GP. Mm-hmm. It's a complete lottery. It's a complete crapshoot. And you've got to bear in mind, you've got to hope you've got a good GP. Mm. And then it's not just that, is it? It's then the waiting list in terms of getting therapy. Yep. Ellen's written a series about this um, called Getting Better, um, which sort of charts our process from sort of experiencing mental health issues, OCD, depression, anxiety, and Basically, the process of going to her GP and and going for therapy or trying to get therapy, um, getting a short amount of therapy. But at the moment, it's a very it's a very short amount of therapy. And I don't want to sort of name names, but I have another person very dear to me who had a similar situation. She needed therapy, and she had a very short amount of therapy. But then it's just like, oh, I'm fixed now, am I? Because I've had what I don't know. You know, I think it was something in very very short, like. 10 sessions or something and you just think that's that's not i don't pretty sure that's not how therapy works no it's constantly ongoing i i am on my fourth therapist in three years Mm. and i am especially lucky and privileged to be able to pay for that yeah so my work previously did i changed profession and i've made an effort to have a mental health kitty so i can keep paying for a therapist Mm. But that's where I've got to as well. But it's ridiculous. And that's where Ellen's got to as well, because I found I basically just decided if I wanted to be a healthy person to manage my bipolar disorder, I should find somebody that I thought was good, 
that could help me learn how to manage it properly. But then that was me funding it. You know, that was me spending £80 a week out of my own salary, which is actually a fucking disgrace when you think about it, when we have an NHS that is meant to be supporting people with long-term health issues. Yep. I don't know how to solve this without saying you have to be intensely political and get out there in the street and start talking with your votes. Mm. Theresa May sent shared a video on Twitter this week about mental health awareness. What are you doing? You, you don't care. I stood mm-hmm. in Parliament. I sat in Parliament listening to Jeremy Hunt wear, wearing an NHS badge. Congratulate volunteers for calm and time to change for all the great work they did. And I, when I finally got them, like, I cited incident after incident after incident after incident of NHS cuts. And the impact it has on black communities as well. So if I have a moment, if I have an episode in public, it's a lot more dangerous for me than it is for, say, someone who is not six foot two, 14 stone and black. Because the police, seeing someone of my size and my height and my weight having a moment, might decide to deal with me in a different manner than someone else. I know I'm three times more likely to be tased, for example. So that's another thing constantly playing my thought when I'm having anxiety attacks, where you cannot be seen to look dangerous right now. You have to keep your anxiety under wraps, mm. which is terrifying. I don't know how you show this current government that you get that to get to, they should give a damn about people with mental health conditions, because I don't think this government gives a damn about people that aren't of a certain type. So how you change that is you change your government. How you change your government, those methods are up to you. Um, you may have got an instance of me on this podcast thinking I'm not particularly fond of this one. I'm particularly towards other methods. Um, my thing now is is I try my best through my media campaign work. You talk to all kinds of people about mental health issues. Are there any that particularly stand out? I mean, I know you met the royals. I went to Buckingham Palace with a large group of people who work for Time to Change and Mind, which are two charities I work for. Um, work for? contribute to um go to bucking palace go in fill out your form you get a name tag you get a certain sticker uh and the sticker you have pertains to which member of the royal family you will talk to so i get a blue sticker partway through bucking palace and i go i have to go to the loo walk back in the media I'm like, oh what's going on he's like, oh you've missed it I'm like, what, what did i miss he goes oh you, it's about your sticker i went oh so i missed meeting the royals like a little bit he goes oh what's the blue sticker i mean he goes oh you meant to meet priest william what? So, oh, oh dear. Uh, so I missed my appointment to talk to Prince William and I spent most of my night in Buckingham Palace talking to lovely social workers and people who work on call lines to help university students when they have a funny 15 minutes. And then someone very nice tapped me on my shoulder and went, you should go talk to Prince William now. And then I went off to talk to Prince William. Uh, and then I talked about NHS funding. And then a couple of months later on, uh, we had a very great campaign with Calm, Campaign Against Living Miserably which is a fantastic charity uh, and they've currently got a project called project 84, which I recommend you read up on. Um, and their campaign was having a best man. So the idea was you don't have to wait to your wedding to have a best man. So I brought one of my best friends in a guy called Kev Byrne. Um, and it was me sat to the left of Prince William. Rio Ferdinand was in the room. Lowell Carno was in the room. Roman Kemp was in the room as well. All of our best friends were in the room and we just had a roundtable discussion about male friendship and how we've all finally got to a place where we're able to tell our mates, I love you and how we can take care of it. 
And then before the cameras rolled, I once again brought up NHS funding because I will bring up NHS funding every single time you put me next to a powerful person. You have to talk about NHS funding when you talk about mental health conditions. Um, it's all well and good being sat in London talking about great stuff. But my whole thing is what does Steve from Blackburn do when he can't see a GP? So what do you think we could do generally as a society to improve our mental health? I think we've got to look at going back to a sense of communal-based living. So one thing I find particularly interesting is the difference in occurrences in mental health conditions in black communities compared to white communities. So it's the rate of psychosis is pretty much the same. So you are no more prone to be living with psychosis if you're black than if you're white. But things like depression and anxiety are higher because a lot of the support groups are gone, especially if you're black. So there aren't many spaces in London where I can be stood with four other black people and not be viewed with suspicion, which is really weird. Like I, I feel inherently alone in this country. I feel inherently alone in London in the seat of 10 million. Like London's a very, very claustrophobic city when you, if you come here, whenever. And I think a lot about if my parents had chosen to stay in Ghana, West Africa, where they're from, I would have my cousins, my aunts, my aunts, my uncles, my grandma, my great-grandparents as well. Mm. And if things started going wrong, I would be able to talk to someone about that immediately. Whereas right now I'm in London with my younger brother. My mom's in one place, my dad's in one place, my grandma's in another place, my aunt's in another place. And I think a lot of, I think you talk to a lot of people that are living with mental health conditions and they talk about how they feel lonely and how they feel alone or how they feel worthless or how if they stopped existing they wouldn't feel as if anyone would stop and notice. And I feel as if a lot of those places where people are happy to see you and just see you for turning up are gone. Um, I think part of this is because a lot, you know, we, we stopped going to church. Not because if you believe in God, you're less likely to, to have a mental health condition because mental health conditions don't discriminate for class, creed, race, religion, or gender, but because church as a place is is a place where you turn up every single Sunday, you aren't expected to pay money, and people will appreciate the fact you turn up. And if you don't turn up, it would be, hey, you are at church. Are you okay? Mm. Uh, and if you think about that, how many places do you have in your life now where if you don't turn up to a thing, people are really concerned you don't turn up? And also where you don't have to spend money to do that? So I think a lot of people talk about the importance of going to the gym when you're depressed. And yeah, endorphins this and endorphins that. And I don't think going to the gym is a be or an end all about for for mental health conditions. I think people who recommend going to the gym are wrong because it's not a sticking plaster. But they have an interesting point in the fact that if you go to the gym a lot, you gain camaraderie with people. You build up a routine, you build up a cycle, and you gain a cast of people who are concerned about you for turning up. Because everyone, well, the hardest thing about going to the gym is turning up. No one likes going to the gym. And people talk about their gym friendships to the point where if they miss their Thursday leg day session with their spot partner, their spot partner, but where were you? Which I think is really important. We are social creatures. We'd like to feel love and warmth and the fact that we're needed. And I feel as if we are steadily running out of places where four or five or six of us can congregate in one place and not have to spend money, mm. but it can just be. For me, I guess it would be something like choir but again, I'm spending money to go. Yeah. But that's the sort of thing, yeah, you go. It's, it's a place, you, everyone needs a place where they can go and feel as if they're important, not because of what monetary thing they can give, but because them turning up makes things better, mm. right? So, you know, the church, the choir doesn't work unless everyone's there. Uh, 
if you're on a sports team, the sports team can't train unless they have all members of the sports team there. If you play Dungeons and Dragons or board games, the, you can't play the board game unless you've got more than two people there. Mm. Like you need a thing, and we have to think of how we go back to having those things. And people, you know, my big advice to the people when like, oh, I'm feeling like this, I'm feeling like this. I'm like, well, have you looked up joining a sports team? If you can't play sports, why don't you look up joining a board game team? What did you like doing as a kid? Could could you find a way to find a bunch of adults that like doing that and find a way to see them? if not in person, but see them or talk to them on the internet in a semi-regular basis. Because a lot of this is fighting the thought that you are worthless and you're alone. And we need to keep making efforts to preserve spaces that remind people that you're a collective and people work best as a collective. So find your weird nerd hobby in your team and go do that. Thanks very much to Carl. So usually this is the part of the podcast where Ellen and I would have a chat about what stood out for us, but it's just me this week. I think the discussion with Carl was pretty good for me, really, in that it gave me a bit of a kick. Carl's very passionate about mental health reform, and although I am too, sometimes I think I can forget the general basics. Things like writing to your local MP, finding out about relevant campaigns, and actually doing something rather than just talking, although talking is incredibly important. I think he also made some really great points about men and mental health, which I think speak for themselves. Some this is goodbye from mentally yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a call. It's 116-123, or you can go to their website, which is samaritans.org. Thanks very much to our producer, Sam Bonham, and to Lucy Baker, who makes our jingles. And also to Carl for coming on and chatting. See you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.